Welcome to the Future of Medicine podcast, where we believe that feeling great and living a long time is possible and that your healthcare should help you get there. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wenzel. My hope is simple, that this show will help you along your journey to becoming the healthiest, strongest, and most powerful version of you possible. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody. Before we jump into this show, Jen and I are going to take a interesting journey on the topic of sleep, sleep optimization. I'm hopeful that it will be refreshing in that it won't just be beating you up over things you should be doing and things you should stop doing and uh, that'll be useful and thought-provoking. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Future of Medicine podcast. I am your host, Dr. Wenzel, and I am joined, as always, by Jen Justice. Hello. Hello, Jen. How's it going? You look very Nashville today. Thank you. I like it. This episode is called Don't Sleep on Your Sleep. Mm. This is really... uh, about a topic that you and I have been talking a lot about recently Mm -hmm. and um, more and more. And we've always known that it's very important, uh, but yet it, it, it continues to be a top topic that is elusive, ignored, underestimated, and mysterious, Mm -hmm. kind of all wrapped up in one. But one thing that is not up for debate is the significance of it. Ironically, I am in search of it for myself, and if you could somehow bottle it and sell it to the world, um, I think it would sell a lot. <laughs> I'm a champion sleeper, <clears throat> that's for sure. I mean, all time. <laughs> it's one of the things I'm good at. <laughs> one of the many things that you're incredibly good at. Um, this first uh, section of, of this topic is really about why high-quality sleep is critical. Mm-hmm. What I did not want to do in this episode, Jen, is to give another kind of like recipe, seven steps to great sleep, because frankly, I don't have it figured out. Well, I think it's individualized. I mean, there are certain things that work universally, but you've kind of got to do some tinkering and figure it out for yourself. Yeah, and I I couldn't agree more. Um, And and I haven't always felt that way because it felt like there's a one singular perfect diet. There's a one singular mm. way to fall asleep. There's a one singular, like that's just not real. Yeah. Um, practically, that doesn't shake out. So I thought we would start this journey by really getting very clear on why it's so critical. <clears throat> and I think the first thing to say is that although critical, it is incredibly mysterious. Mm-hmm. Not only how to achieve it, but what the heck is it? Mm-hmm. Like, why do we need it? Uh, all we know is that we get deprived for two weeks, we die. Mm-hmm. Like, we're we're a system of processes and electricity and hormones and, like, what in the world takes place in our nervous system and in our brain when we're sleeping? And the answer is not many people know. Mm-hmm. We just need it. So it's it's very, very mysterious. However, I think one of the things that eludes people is or not eludes, but deceives people is that because it's mysterious and it's not very good, I don't put any effort towards it. Mm-hmm. And I think you end up sleeping on your sleep. Yeah. Like you're just like, well, I wish it was better, but I'm not, I don't have any active effort or active strategy ongoing to improve it. Whereas other critical areas of our life, our health, our relationship, our finances, we're always tinkering and trying to get better. Mm-hmm. Sleep is just not one of those. 
I think why it matters, number one, you spend half of your life at least trying to get it, <laughs> right? You're in the bed trying to, to sleep. And anything that you spend one third or one half of your life doing, it's clearly something that's essential. Yes. And it is a major, major. It'd be like, I don't, I wish my breathing was better, but I just won't pay any attention to it. Something you do your whole life. Like yeah. you just would never do that with something else. Talk to me clinically how you maybe personally experience a suboptimal night of sleep. Mm-hmm. Like, because you're so tuned that a singular non ideal night can really throw you off. Yeah. And it's not just for one day it's like a few days in a row so you feel it yeah 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 i mean you and i both do a really great job assessing sleep with our members i honestly don't know the last time i've personally been asked about my sleep by a healthcare provider but it's that important to us to talk about with our members so for me if i'm just a zombie i can't perform well at work i have a lot of brain fog just to be that fatigued from a not quality night's sleep will throw me into a tailspin for like two or three days. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm a fun person. I like to go out. I like to do things. But I'm typically in bed by 9, 930. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anytime, you know, if I'm at a concert or if I'm doing something fun and it's a later night than that or there's some other variables involved that I don't normally introduce before bed, which we'll talk about later, um, I'm just a wreck. Yeah, and I'll say that you it's noticeable when mm-hmm. you have had a singular night of rough sleep. I will also tell you, in knowing you for six, seven, eight, I don't know how many years I've known you, a long time. I've I can think of on one hand how many times you've had more than one night of bad sleep. It almost immediately you recover the next day because you're yeah. like, not doing that again. <laughs> I remember when I was going through my nurse practitioner training and it was you know the workload is just intense and you know you have to stay up later than usual to get projects done or assignments done and then you're up early for clinicals and it's just there is no that two and a half years was just not great for my sleep but you still pulled it off yeah but it was tough I didn't like it talk to us about how you clinically experience a more chronic sleep fatigue from the patients that you take care of like what like the one night really throws you off but Mm -hmm. like what do you see clinically when you are assessing this variable in your patients what are the common themes that show up well I think it's interesting that's a great question um I we deal with a lot of high-performing individuals right Mm -hmm. a lot of entrepreneurs CEOs those type of people I think they just get used to Um, you know, it's similar to like people that get used to an elevated blood pressure and then we normalize it and they don't feel Mm -hmm. great, even though it's normal Mm -hmm. or an elevated blood sugar. And then we normalize it and they're like, whoa, like I'm feeling these, these side effects for sleep. Um, I've, I've dealt with some members of ours that they funk, they have learned to function on like four and a half to five hours of sleep. It's remarkable. And I honestly don't know how they do it. I would love to see how they function on eight, even like six to seven to eight hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. I think it would make a remarkable difference in their life, but they've just adapted. And I think that's kind of how we are with a lot of negative health multipliers that we've been talking about lately. But 
they somehow make it through. Yeah, I mean, humans have an incredible capacity to compensate, mm-hmm. especially as we're younger. We have a lot more elasticity, neuroplasticity, resilience. Our hormonal environment is more optimal. Like we just, a really rough week in high school could lead to a weekend where you sleep for 16 hours a day and you're totally recovered. Yeah. That doesn't play out at 35 or 55 or 65. Mm -hmm. You just, you can't, first of all, you don't have that kind of restore. It's much more elusive. You don't just decide to sleep. Yeah. And you don't end up pulling that off. And even if you were, it wouldn't be enough. Um, I think you really, really bring up a great point that there seems to be kind of this correlation in our practice with the higher productivity one is used to achieving, the more that person will be inclined to overlook Mm-hmm. how awful they actually feel. Yeah. Um, and if they're talented enough, and, and, and this is where it gets a little interesting because like the more talented and the more underlying kind of capacity to perform, the deeper the sleep deprivation goes and longer it goes mm-hmm. because they're able to rally. Maybe they're good at systems and processes that allow them to kind of move the can down the road, so to speak, and not actually address a real fundamental problem. And sometimes just over caffeinating or stimulants or, you know, it's just the mechanism of compensation. They become very good at it. And I think it can become very deceiving when you're auditing how you feel like, A, how bad do I feel? And B, this whole thing called sleep is improvable. Yeah. Um, so I, I see that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And what happens is, is that in our world, someone either resonates as we address that or we start seeing some physiologic impact to having this suboptimal sleep mm-hmm. ongoing. And um, the number one thing I want to get out of this first section is that it is a multiplier no doubt. But I don't want to talk about the benefits of getting good sleep as a positive multiplier. I want to position this particular piece of content as a negative multiplier, which you and I have spent tons of time creating content on health multipliers. Mm -hmm. And this is a health multiplier, but I'm intentionally going to take this as a negative spin. Oh, yeah. That if you don't unlock this, you will receive a negative health multiplier downward because there are are infinite amounts of areas of our life pertaining to health, um, including emotional well-being and these types of things that are dramatically impacted from being in a chronic state of sleep deprivation. Mm -hmm. It's that important. It really is. And just as an aside, you know, anybody who's listened to us know how much we talk about diet, how we talk about training. I would submit that sleep is as important as diet. There are some people who even believe it's more important than diet or fitness, Mm. that you could have a perfect diet and perfect fitness. If you don't sleep, you get minimal benefit from the other critical things. Not only that, but you also get the negative impact. Mm -hmm. So this is a real, real big deal. The second section, I really want to talk about the consequences of not committing to optimizing your sleep. You know, and again, we talk about a lot of positive multipliers. This is really the negative multiplier aspect of not getting sleep right. 
look, th there are huge risks for cardiovascular disease. I think that study after study show a clear link to increased risk of uh, cardiovascular disease, whether it's hypertension, stroke, heart disease, um, directly linked to lack of deep restorative sleep. Some of that, especially if the reason you're not sleeping is due to apnea, mm -hmm. right? Sleep apnea, by definition, lack of oxygen, no oxygen, you're not breathing. So these micro experiences every night. I was just looking at a sleep study of one of our members. He had 80 apneic episodes in one night. Wow. 80, eight zero. That means 80 times in one night of sleep, he stopped breathing. Wow. That's scary. <laughs> Multiply that lack Ooh. of oxygenation to the heart times decades. This is why there's no confusion around the cardiovascular risk for sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. um, and you can't just wish your way through that. that, that, that is a, that's a big deal. Um, metabolic disease. Insulin resistance, specifically, if you're not getting deep restorative sleep, there are plenty of studies that show in just otherwise ideal metabolic environments, short periods of time of sleep deprivation can facilitate fast tracking towards insulin resistance, which, as we know, is the root physiology of all metabolic disease. Mm -hmm. Insulin resistance leads to diabetes, inflammatory, atherosclerotic process. Mm -hmm. um, you know, instability, hypertension, obesity, all of these things. Chronic fatigue affecting decision-making. Hmm. Do you have some personal experience with this? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> On the negative side, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and I like, I mean... Even in your own experience on one night, oh, I mean, yeah. you said brain fog. Mm -hmm. I mean, working nights, working in the ER, overnight residency, um, there are clear studies linking to one 24-hour period of no sleep to be equivalent to being legally intoxicated. Wow. And we were actually told that in residency. Mm -hmm. Hey, by the way, driving home post-call is the equivalent of driving drunk. Wow. Like, think about that for a minute. One night, your response times, your decision-making, your processes, the way you make decisions, it's lethargic mm -hmm. and it's not crisp. Oh, yeah. And we don't have a lot of people who work manual labor in our job, in our, in our practice. The majority of our clientele are thinkers. Mm -hmm. They make decisions for a living. They're leading. They're thinking. They're problem-solving. They're innovating the impact on your thinking. And one of the most common things we hear is brain fog. Mm -hmm. I'm fatigued. A lot of that has to do with hormones, mm -hmm. but a lot of that has to do with you're just always tired. Yeah. Let's see. What else can we talk about? T tell me about some negative impacts that you, some consequences that you're seeing as I've rattled off a few um, in your own clinical practice. Um, I think you touched on most of them, but for me, as a clinician, you have to do a deep dive into all the variables, right? Mm -hmm. So we look at diet, we look at exercise, we look at hormonal status, family history, all those things. But sleep is, is one of those variables that we talk about and that we dive into with our members. And, um, you know, if it's off, we have to fix it. Mm -hmm. Bar none. Mood. Yep. I just thought. Oh, yeah. Depression, mood, mm -hmm. mindset. Just how, 
your joy your your want to you talk yeah. about the fire in the mm-hmm. belly you know with testosterone replacement therapy but gosh if you're not getting good night's sleep i got as much want to as i know of anybody mm-hmm. and when i'm tired i just lose my tailwind yeah and actually it, it it's worse than that because i i I lose the, the drive to do, but then it creates a conflict mm-hmm. in my mind. Why am I, I need to be doing this. I, w- I actually want to be doing this, but yet I'm not getting up and doing it. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's very devastating. Yeah. And so, all right. I think that outlines kind of the chronic consequences. Um, this last section, I want to talk about best practices for getting quality sleep. Again, not from a standpoint of like, here's a recipe and a formula, but let's touch on some things that we understand really comprise good sleep hygiene, best practice, and then maybe since you are the genie of great <laughs> sleep, what is in your magic potion? So, you know, um, again, I don't want to pra- pretend like I have it figured out because I do not. But you're working on it. I, I am working on it. My sleep is, ex- it's reasonable. And anybody who knows me knows that's like basically failing, like I, especially in something that is really, really important. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm actively working on it. This has been two years. I wear an aura ring, um, probably with the exception of about 10 or 12 nights over the past two and a half years. I have every night tracked Mm -hmm. data and I'm beginning to get. In really neat insights. If I drink too much alcohol or alcohol too late, that's very disruptive. If I eat too late, mm-hmm. that's very disruptive. There's a clear correlation to my, what I call the pending column, how many things I have going on in life, business, patience. You know, I don't sell cat t-shirts. I take care of humans. Right. And so sometimes all is well in the world and I rest more like what I'm capable of. But currently, right now, as we're recording this, I have five patients that have been on my mind nonstop. Mm-hmm. You know, everything from knee replacement to thyroid cancer to having a heart cath, like a mass, working up a mass in the abdomen. Like, I mean, I'm thinking about all of these people and all of their families and all the implications and what are we going to do and how are we going to think about this? Turns out that's pretty disruptive to your sleep. <laughs> right. Um, And I still am able to pull off okay sleep, but it's not acceptable to stay here. And I think, and I'm going to let you go with with this, but I I think number one is you have to commit to making sleep a priority. Like anything in life, the first step is you have to sell yourself that it's an idea Mm -hmm. that you're willing to pursue and then do it. Yeah. So I've committed to making sleep a priority, Mm -hmm. even though it's completely elusive uh, to me currently as of the spring of 2022 talk to me about best practice as like the gospel according to jen <laughs> oh, man. on sleep no seriously first of all i do commit to making it a priority um i got a text from a patient last night at 10 p.m and i didn't see it because i was in bed asleep yeah so i typically go to bed at the same time every night weekends are a little off because i stay up later obviously but typically in bed by 9 9 30. um now full disclosure i don't have kids so i think those that have kids you know that could really be difficult but it can be done um your kids have should have a normal bedtime and a routine bedtime Mm -hmm. you should too 
So that being said, I just wanted to throw that out there. I also don't drink a lot of alcohol. So I'm like you where if I drink or I drink too much close to bedtime, I'm going to be up all night. We recently had a team dinner where there was a little wine flowing and I I had a little bit more than I usually do, actually a lot more. And so I was literally up all night, just (laughs) not doing well with that. My little adrenal glands were trying to to keep up. Um, Also, as a perimenopausal female, I have optimized my hormones. So Mm -hmm. I take progesterone at night and that really helps with sleep. That was a game changer for you. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the first, that was really the first uh, sign that my hormones were changing before menopause. And I'm not menopausal, but I would routinely wake up, and I hear this a lot from our females in their like mid 40s to late 40s. I wake up between two and three in the morning and I just can't get back to sleep. Yeah. And once we add progesterone into the mix of other hormones that we optimize, their sleep becomes really. Um, so much better. So much better. Uh, I like you. I track my sleep with the aura ring, which I love. Mm-hmm. I don't wear it routinely every night like you do, but I am able to at least. Well, when you get a score of ninety it. or above every night, <laughs> sorry, it, you, it, it, you don't <laughs> oh, have to be it's as. Oh, another dog. great night of sleep. Oh, another perfect night. Look <laughs> right. at me. Perfect news is kind of yeah. boring after a while right. for me. I, by the way, for anybody who has an aura ring, knows how the sleep scores work. <laughs> Jen, you can count on one hand how many times she's not had a 90 or better. Yeah. I have yet to ever have a singular 90. I've gotten 89 once, 87 half dozen times. But I tip. We're going to get you there. Don't worry. That's right. (laughs) Um, You know what is weird, but interesting is the week before my positive COVID test, my sleep was crappy. That. My heart rate was elevated on my HRV status with the mm-hmm. aura ring. And I'm like, what is up with my heart rate? Like, I've not done anything differently. And it kept saying, you need to rest. You need to rest. And I'm like, I don't understand what's so going on. So two months on. ago, Jen and I both got COVID the exact same day. Yeah. We had been going <laughs> two years avoiding this thing. And both. Our worst nightmare was realized. Got diagnosed the same day. <laughs> I told Jen I thought my aura ring broke. Because my score was like 54 or I something. I remember that, yeah. But I felt horrible. But yeah. the, the ring picked it up. The heart rate yeah. variability. My average heart rate that night was like 107. Mm-hmm. Whoa. It yeah. was very, very... I couldn't figure it out. It's an incredible technology. And it goes a long way in measuring the things that you can't see, taste, smell here. Mm-hmm. So you can start mm-hmm. picking up patterns. I also use uh, melatonin at night too. Yep. So that has really helped. Um yeah, a lot of people um, have hit or miss with melatonin. Yeah. I mean, I think melatonin is a great strategy. I think not all melatonin is created equal. Mm-hmm. And I think in general, most people underdose. And as long as you're not having a negative side effect, you should explore some of the higher doses of melatonin mm-hmm. um, before you definitively say it doesn't help. Me. Yeah. What else? Um, in your world? Well, my bladder is the size of a walnut. So I try not to drink a lot before bed because I'll be up in the middle of the night and then that just... But you that's know. behavior modification, yeah. right? So you you, you know that about you. Mm-hmm. So you you don't consume a lot of liquids at night. Right. Try um, not to. Try not to eat really close to bed, like you've said. What I, time I'm, is your dinner time? You're an early. Uh, we're usually done by six or six thirty. Yeah, that's great. I know. Um, and I in the summertime, that's wonderful because you could even squeeze in an evening walk yeah. after dinner without it before it gets. But dark. I have to be careful with that too because 
exercising too close to bed is a no-no for me too. Like I can't do that. That is, that is. There's a lot of people I talk to that they're like, oh no, I, I work out at like 9.30 at night. I'm like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But I think that's, as we were prepping, I think that's one of the points that I want to make sure that we get across because I think you really nailed it on the head. And that is what we're suggesting. I mean, there's some obvious things, but then there's this incredible amount of white space mm-hmm. where you have to figure out what's best for you. Yeah, I was just going to say I know I know these things about myself right. because the bladder, I've been working the exercise. On it. Those mm-hmm. are those are gen specific. Mm-hmm. For me, I I'm real sensitive to light as well, so I got this new charger for my iPhone and my iWatch or my Apple Watch that sits by my bed, but the light is like it illuminates the room and I mm-hmm. always have to put something in front mm-hmm. of it to block it otherwise I won't sleep well. Well, I think a dark, quiet room is pretty universally accepted as good hygiene. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that there's too much variability. I mean, you might be an outlier. Just like most people need seven to nine hours mm-hmm. of sleep, there are a few outliers, but you know, not many. There's one thing that I have that you don't have that you're better at me. Hmm. You don't have a TV in your bedroom, do you? N- negative. Yeah, we have a TV in our bedroom. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. I'm very grateful, <coughs> although I don't think I would be very tempted to mess with TV because when it's bedtime, I go to sleep like if bottling up falling asleep yes. was I could sell it to the world. <laughs> it's staying asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, you just pull off both. Yeah. My wife, once she's asleep, she does a good job staying asleep, but she's the world's worst at going to sleep. Mm-hmm. So like that TV in the room would be very disruptive because she would definitely watch TV. Mm-hmm. I think you got to commit to having optimal sleep hygiene yeah and, and i think late meals alcohol dark quiet rooms no stim no stimulants like caffeine beyond like 3 or 4 p.m those are kind of the obvious places to look but beyond that it's the optimization of the individual yeah if you're a perimenopausal woman you've got to be thinking about progesterone yeah male or female thinking about melatonin and really increasing the the quality of the melatonin that you're taking and if you're not having negative side effects really starting to move some of those doses a little higher potentially so how many guys that you've optimized testosterone in report better sleep um almost all if they report not sleeping great Mm -hmm. to begin with when you go harder physically through the day you will because a lot of men especially at the end of their day they have tremendous mental fatigue and Mm -hmm. their bodies have virtually done nothing except exist. They they have exerted zero um, mechanical stress all day long. So when you go a little harder, you start adding a little bit of a, of a workout routine, you start taking the stairs, like those kind of things, all of a sudden you start matching the physical exhaustion with the mental exhaustion. And we we tend to see in men uh, a real nice improvement in sleep quality, Mm -hmm. especially sleep initiation. Mm -hmm. I think beyond customizing your sleep hygiene, I think you got to start measuring. You got to start keeping score. You know, Mm -hmm. as they say, you can't manage what you don't measure. I think the aura ring or there's whoops, there's other technology, some wearable, some reliably consistent and accurate sleep tracking. We just happen to like the aura. I think Mm -hmm. the science is the best. I think the whoop is really good, but I don't like wearing bracelets. Yeah. Um, The iWatch or the Apple Watch will do it, but I don't, 
I don't. Well, like it to lights wear my, up like yeah. a Christmas tree, and I, it's very disruptive to me. And the Aura Ring is O U R A. If people yes. want to check it out, yeah, yeah AuraRing.com. And it's it's not super expensive, but it's not it's two or three hundred bucks for the ring, mm-hmm. and there's no ongoing fee, so it's a one-time investment. You get tons of data. The user interface is really great. I think that if you're over 40 and you have crappy sleep, you need a sleep study. Okay. We need to make sure that there isn't an apneic phenomena going on, potentially seeing an ENT. I'm going to see an ENT in the next month or two, getting my sinuses examined, make sure that there isn't something anatomically going on that is preventing my sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, manage the manageable, yep. uh, modify the modifiable, and then you manage the, the things that are non-modifiable. And they can do them at home now, which is great, you know. Yeah. You, you don't always have to go to a sleep center, but be in your own bed, be in your own environment. Yeah, I think I think the take-home point is here, don't sleep on this. Yeah. There may not be a clear path to a perfect night's sleep for you that's declaring itself, but it's one of those few things that is worth pursuing a lifetime to try to find. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you improve it, it doesn't just fix your sleep. It improves countless other areas of your life. You start to now all of a sudden change the course of the negative impact mm-hmm. to a positive health multiplier. Yeah. Mood, metabolic, cardiovascular, all of these things. Um, so. Very good. Yeah, I think this was good. This is a this is a great topic, and I, and I hope to be able to talk more about it as we learn more about it. And the irony of, of the topic and me being terrible at it and you being amazing <laughs> at it, I thought would br- produce an interesting kind of back and forth. Yeah. But I have noticed you've, I mean, now that you're at the ER. Yeah, not working nights has been a huge thing. F- for me, I'm convinced part of my journey, I've only been out of the ER coming up next month will be one year mm-hmm. completely out of the ER. It's like a reset. My body has to relearn mm-hmm. that every seven or 12 days, I'm not going to work overnight. Yeah. And being consistent with my rhythm, I have acceptable sleep, but it's it's not optimal. Yeah. But I still got a sleep study to do. I still have some things to do. Yeah. Could eat dinner a little sooner. I've got kids and got a business and, I, you know, there are some and I've got real people that I take care of. So there will always be an ever present vulnerability sleep is just one of those areas that i'm always going to be vulnerable as are you Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that we just punt no you know keeping eyes on it yeah and it is achievable you know yeah and it's it's something you have to manage yep famous last words from jen justice oh gosh i can't think of anything we haven't already said (laughs) thanks because you just drop so much oh my gosh golden nuggets along the way Well, I hope this episode was useful to folks. Share it if you think somebody would find use in it. And uh, until we chat again, see you later. Bye. I want to thank you so much for your attention. Listen, I don't take it for granted. It means the absolute world to me. You can find out more about today's episode at brentwoodmd.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes, all the related links to this episode and tons of other resources. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And if you've already subscribed, then it would mean so much to me if you left a review. If you think we'd be a good fit to work together, or you would just simply like to know more about the concierge services that I provide my private clients, email us at membership at brentwoodmd.com. And now for the obligatory disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or the giving of medical advice as no doctor-patient relationship has been formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
Users should seek the advice of their own medical professional providers.